Hello and welcome to the let's Homebrew Magic. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Homebrew Magic Podcast. My name is Nelson, and with me, as always, are Schnell and Tej. Tonight, recording together, Woo. jointly, on location at the Game Dealer. Uh, we are sharing a set of earbud headphones. We're cuddling <laughs> up right next to each other. <laughs> I wish I was kidding on that. Are Our you legs also are I was going to say, Tej is manspreading all over me here. <laughs> are you? Are you also sharing a milkshake? <laughs> well, no, we don't want the boys in the yard. <laughs> <laughs> ah, fair enough. Fair enough. Oh, so we are coming up on the Modern Horizons pre-release, so we'll do a recap of that after that weekend is coming past. But tonight we thought we would uh, kind of split the episode in two. First, we're going to talk a little bit about our reaction and our thoughts to the War of the Spark novel since it's been out long enough. So, uh, spoiler alert, I guess, when we talk about that first. And then... After that, we're going to talk about some cards we're excited for coming from Modern Horizons, Commander Horizons, whatever you want to call it. Uh, regardless of format, what looks cool, what looks fun to play. Chanel, you've already cracked a few boxes for the store, and it sounds like you pulled some sweet value, right? Uh, yeah, I've already pre-sold enough to probably cover each box. So That's awesome. And enough to get somebody to go, <sighs> what do you mean you already pre-sold your first sliver? <laughs> okay, fine. I'll, I'll get a second box then, just in case. hasn't even hasn't even <laughs> oh. opened his first one yet, but it's just immediately like ah, driving them okay. sales. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll take two. That, that took me for a second because I forgot that that card is called the first sliver. <laughs> yeah. I thought someone was mad that you pre-sold the first sliver <laughs> of like the day, and he was going to have to get the second sliver. They want the first, <laughs> first sliver or nothing. God damn it! If I can't be first, I don't want any of it. This card, this card already has oxygen marks on it. Get me a fresh one. I want the first one off the line. I, I want to see it to you be crack still, it. still warm from Mark Rosewater's tender caress right out of the pack. And then in my hand. <laughs> I assume oh. he lovingly snuggles up to every magic card right before they go into the boosters. Oh, yeah. I think so. I mean, they're shipped with love, and I think that's yeah. exactly what it means. He rolls around in them as part of the ceremony <laughs> to randomize the cards for boosters. It's like how Scrooge McDuck used to swim in that pool of gold <laughs> yeah. coins. Mark Rosewater just swims in magic cards before he... When he comes up he... for air and spits out all the cards, like, ah, that's the distribution of rares you're getting. Okay. <laughs> and he packages them all himself by hand, too, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. So if you have any problems with what you crack, take it up with Mara. <laughs> I have, a, um, I have a cousin who's like four years younger than I am, and she got, like when she was born, like a giant four-foot-tall baby bottle thing that her parents would put change in oh, okay. to like save money from. Sure. And I learned that that Scrooge McDuck thing wasn't real when okay. I tried to shove my hand through all the coins in that baby <laughs> bottle, and it just didn't go anywhere. And it just, there was no give. <laughs> I, learned that you, I learned that you can't fist coins at an early age. <laughs> At least I wasn't stupid about it and tried to jump into a swimming pool full of them. <laughs> that's that's true. That would hurt uh, more than just your hand. <clears throat> but no, so far I do have one legitimate complaint about this set with three... <coughs> Excuse me. Still getting over that cold. With three boxes to a case, uh, I went through so much goddamn cardboard opening up the boxes that it was, okay, what's in this box? Two smaller boxes. Okay, <laughs> what's in the first of the two smaller boxes? Two case boxes. Okay, what's in this case box? <laughs> it was Russian nesting dolls, just cardboard, <laughs> until I finally got that sweet, sweet Modern Horizons. Well, and you've got like a you got a, you're sitting on a sweet stockpile of it. <coughs> um, I for got my, forty. For I got forty eight boxes of it for the my first wave. Nice flex. Mm-hmm. 
How many did you pre-sell? Quite a few, probably. Um, like a third or half of that nice. at this point. Nice. And considering this is going for what, right around two hundred a pop, that's not bad. Uh, I based my prices off. Of, <laughs> cut out a lot of cough in here. Um, <laughs> I based my prices on TCG average, so I did two hundred five a box. Unless people were getting multiples, then I did one ninety five a box. Nice. Cool. Such a good businessman. I like to encourage people to spend more money, and honestly, if I can get more cards out in the community, I'm not that worried about making more of a profit profit on the sealed product because the rotation of singles is better for me. Right. That is very true. Yeah. Very true. All right. Well, before we jump into talking about the book, let's give a little recap on what we've been up to uh, like we always have been. Uh, Which one of you two want to go first? I'll go first, I guess. All right. What about you, Teach? What have you been up to? Um, let's see. It's been a while since we recorded last, isn't it? Uh, basically, I've been uh, mostly just EDH, I guess. Yeah, I've I've played some arena. Um, I went six uh, three on a draft recently. Nice. Um, it's pretty fun. You guys know, will never guess what I drafted. Just uh, guess. A mass. Blue That's black right. mass. Blue black mass. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I had to think about it because they've been <laughs> they've been running that uh, that Dominaria uh, ranked draft. Yeah. So I had to think: Did you play that or did you play a war? Draft? No, the last one I played was a war draft. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Um, and then a bunch of VDH. Uh, I actually played a couple uh, good games tonight. I guess just the one game was pretty good. Um, did you guys only play one long game? We played two. Okay, good. We played two. <clears throat> um, I won the second one. They got me down to three, and then I decided that I was going to just win. So I, <laughs> I decided I wanted the win, so I took it. <laughs> and um, now it's mine. But the, the first game we played, I was playing my Dragonlord Silumgar deck. Uh, I do like that deck of yours. It's a good deck. I like no. it. Um, there are no tutors in the deck. Uh, I've been trying to stay away from tutors, except in the one deck that I built specifically so I could have a like quote-unquote good deck. So there are no tutors in the deck, but I do have as a backup win condition just in case the game needs to end because all games need to end at some point. Palancron and Deadeye Navigator, so I can get infinite mana and then I can do a couple of things with that infinite mana. And I tried to close out a game. One of our guys uh, it was a five-person game, and one of our guys just had a giant army of zombies, <laughs> uh, and he was going to <coughs> he was going to win. He attacked me. I managed to instant speed steal a bunch of his stuff and clone a bunch of his stuff to try to negate some of the damage so he left me at a pretty low life total but one of the things i did was i i cloned uh his sadisi undead vizier which i sacrificed a creature to to go tutor for something and i went and i tutored for palancron because i had a dead eye navigator in my hand and i had a Ganti Lord of Hoosits in my hand as well. <laughs> Machinations. <laughs> and the idea was to use Palancron and Deadeye Navigator to gain infinite mana, and then use Deadeye Navigator and Ganti to exile everyone's library, and that was how I was going to try to win that game. But it got around to the zombie guy's turn, and he had a Necropotence on the field that I forgot about, <laughs> so, he had, so he had to skip his draw step, <laughs> and then he won. <laughs> Damn it, Necropotence. Yes, Necropotence. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> that is the hill I will die on. No, that's fine. Do you have any Necropotence? Uh, no, I have Necropotence in stock, though, if you'd like one of those. <laughs> Plenty the of problems, 
Right next to the omnipotence, if you would, if you want. <laughs> the, pro- the problem with that is uh, I say both of them so often because I know it's wrong, but necropotence <laughs> is fun to say. It just feels so just good. Just to tease people. Uh. I had a uh, uh, brief aside here. I had a, uh, a, a Co- oh, uh, Cody's mom, Gail. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to work with a, a buddy of ours, his mom, and we had a guy coming to help us over the summer and his name was jesus uh, but i don't know why i laughed at that <laughs> i'm just interpreting i'm like guessing where this is going and my brain's just fiddling in oh my god okay continue. but what i did but what i did from this poor woman is ever is she'd call she'd refer to him as jesus and then when he went to go do what she told him to i'd take her aside and be like gail his name is jose she's like oh i'm so sorry <laughs> the next time she'd call him jose and i put her aside like, gail it's Jesus. <laughs> what did I say? Jose. Oh, I'm so sorry. We went for this for a couple of days. Poor Gail. Yeah. So my, my boss thought it was funny. So, so my laugh was justified. <laughs> uh, so that was it. I did that. Um, that, was t- that was Tej's weekend magic. That was <laughs> Since the last time we talked, uh, we I finished War of the Spark, which <clears> we're going to talk about a little bit, and I also uh, finished Children of the Nameless. Oh, okay. which I got to read that. Yeah, spoiler <laughs> alert: so much better than War of the Spark. Yeah, it is a very good story. I'm gonna have to. Yeah, I don't have that. I got. Is it available in physical copy? Uh, no, I don't think so. Damn it! But the uh, I I consumed it via the Voice of All podcast. A shout out to the Voice of All podcast. Oh, that's right. I forgot you listened to it. Yes, they do. They do the weekly, uh, weekly Magic the Gathering stories, but they have voice actors and they do sound effects and have clip art music in the background and everything. And they make a production mm. out of it. A lot of their all their voice actors are volunteers from the internet, though. So some of the voices aren't spectacular. Okay. But it adds a lot with the different voices and the oh, and the sound effects and stuff. So that's how I've been listening to those. And the I just immediately went, I want to volunteer and submit a like audio clip going, Yeah, I'm Elspeth. What do you need? <laughs> they do uh, it was gonna be my goal this summer actually to to send it on audition submit. for something. No. Something. Uh, <laughs> check their Twitter. But voice of all, they have they have children of the nameless in three different parts. I think it's a like five or Six hours worth of content. Oh, nice. Uh, but that's how I that's how I read it, and it was very well done. Very well done. I highly recommend it. Maybe that's what I'll do because I couldn't find that. I looked for it on uh, like Google Play Books because I've just been reading off my phone. Okay. It's, and that's how I read free, War of the Spark. Yeah. So I'll have to I'll have to do that. It's definitely free out there. Written by Brandon Sanderson, yep. um, a very popular sci-fi fantasy writer, and he refused to take pay for this too. Ooh. Yes. I believe Wizards approached him to see if he wanted to do it because he plays Magic, um, and they wanted to compensate him, and he said the only compensation he wanted was that they wanted that Wizards needs to give this to the public for free. Nice. uh, And not charge anyone for it, and that's all he wanted, and they agreed to that. That's awesome. Yes. Stand-up gentleman, Brandon Sanderson. (coughs) And good on Wizards for saying, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yes. (laughs) No, what about you? Um, my week in Magic is I opened three boxes of Modern Horizons. Excited about this set. Uh, I didn't delve deeply into spoilers as much as I should have because I knew I was going to be opening a lot more of it, and I like to read cards as I open packs. I've been playing a little bit of Standard. I've been dying of the plague. 
Uh, <laughs> play. My my blue black amass deck is still my favorite. It doesn't have the highest win percentage in paper yet, but I'm learning how to run it better and how to keep better opening hands. Yeah, played an FNM first standard. Played uh, we have a Wednesday night standard event that I did okay in until I got busy and had to drop. Did a little bit of pauper. I took apart part of my pauper affinity deck. And all I've got left right now, because I try to have two decks per format. So for standard, it's a mono-red, more t goblin token-y focus than the traditional mono-red burn, but it still does well. It just does well because people aren't quite expecting as much of a fight on the ground from red, which is cool. And then the blue-black blue -black amass deck. For pauper, I've had mono-green. I was told the name of the deck initially when I built it was push it in <laughs> which yeah it just it just piles a lot of stuff onto or a lot of boosts uh, buffs and boosts onto one creature and he pushes it in so <laughs> that, that deck that duck does phenomenally well in popper i did play some edh the other day i played a one-on-one -on -one, or played uh, a three-player match and then a one-on-one -on -one match with somebody the one-on-one -on -one match we just did you know regular edh we didn't go french commander or anything like that or so because the skeleton or the zombie player that Tej had faced i helped him build his deck and we played a game uh three player where i kept a questionable hand as did the other opponent and the zombies just completely overran us and it wasn't fun <laughs> when the zombie player asked to play another game the other one went eh, no i'm not really interested and I'm like okay well i'll play you let me grab a different deck so I grabbed Baral and proceeded mm -hmm, to counter mm -hmm. every Everything. single spell he tried to cast <laughs> until he got his commander out, and I let it resolve because he didn't kick it, and then I just took his commander, not because I wanted to, but because I like to just take people's commanders with that deck. <laughs> and I got him to just go, yeah, I scoop. <laughs> I'm like, how many cards do you have in your hand? Two. Okay, I've got three counter spells in my hand right now, and mana to cast all of them. I'm drawing extra cards each turn, getting more mana ramp than you, and you're not drawing anything extra because I keep countering anything that you could get to get ahead. <laughs> Would you like to continue? <laughs> no. No, I'm good. <laughs> he knew I, when he was beat. <clears throat> I try not to be a competitive player, but I will absolutely punish competitive players if given the opportunity. And just him steamrolling people and getting kind of cocky about it. It's, okay, nope, you're gonna, you're just gonna sit here. I'm gonna play magic, and you're gonna watch me for a little bit and think about what you did in the last game. <laughs> I like it. It's also why I like my blue-black mill deck in modern. <laughs> it, it again doesn't have the highest win rate, but it screws over cheesy combo decks like you would not believe. I love it because who else mainboards a playset of extrapates and surgical extractions? Because oh, I'm sorry, was that Tronland important? <laughs> you shouldn't have milled it on turn zero because you tutored and I archive trapped you. <laughs> Get good. I am scrum. not a I am not a good person. If you are a spike player, <laughs> if you are a little kid who like I have two of these welcome decks. Can I play in your modern thing? Oh, yeah. And if I get paired against you, you are going to have the most epic game of Magic possible <laughs> because I will hold back and I will misplay just so that you have fun. Right. Because Magic should be fun. Yes, it should. <laughs> and if you don't want to have uh, let others have fun, I won't let you have fun. Right. Get out of here. <laughs> I like the way you think. So, yeah, that was... I, I Honestly, I haven't touched Arena, I think, since War of the Spark came out, but I've been playing the shit out of Paper Magic, and I'm better for it, so... That's awesome. 
Yeah. <laughs> Good game. Good game. <laughs> I'm nodding vigorously at the computer. <laughs> I like it. Nelson, what have you been up to? Uh, so I have, in, as far as Paper Magic goes, I finally finished the Markov deck that I talked about on the show last week. Ooh. It only took me forever. <laughs> finally, I just <laughs> I just sat down and I'm like, okay, this weekend I'm going to do it. I have most of the cards set aside that you asked me for. I think I was missing like one of them, by the way. Excellent. I can't wait to actually play test it. <laughs> There's like so many different ideas I tried cramming into this thing. So it'll be fun to like play test it and go back and kind of see what V2 looks like compared to what V1 looks like now. But other than that, I. V2's a rock. <laughs> I've been playing Arena and I've been keeping up with the war event uh thing that they're doing weekly week one was the momir um event and i hate momir because <laughs> i promptly went zero and 10 because momir is oh, nothing God. it's nothing but luck and i so i rage quit that event and never played it again <laughs> and just isn't played. it a race to like the nine drops <clears throat> basically yeah, yeah you, if much. you're the first one who can pull like a zakama or something like that yeah. or a gashaf like you're 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 in business you know, because it's literally luck of whatever the computer generates if you play mm-hmm. before that. So yeah, so it's, hit, it was interesting. You hit the high drop stuff because it limits your variability, and you're you you up your odds of getting these specific absurd bombs. Exactly. the The interesting wrench they threw into it with this was that your deck, instead of only lands, also contained one copy of each planeswalker. Ooh. Uh, so that was interesting. But again, it's like you know, what do you keep? What do you sacrifice? You know, uh, in order to or I should say discard in order to create, you know, to activate the Momir thing. But it was it was too much. I didn't like it. Other people probably did, and that's great. Just wasn't my jam. But I've been playing the hell out of this week's event, which actually ends tonight, so it'll be over by the time we get this out this weekend. But it's a it's a pauper event. And I decided that I wanted to do mono red because I figured, man, this will be a lot of fun. And I I built the deck. I'm not gonna go into the one that I built. It was a pr- pretty much your standard uh, what everybody's playing right now in mono red minus the rares and uncommons and stuff and i decided that you know what i'm going to I, I i was poking around to see what other people were playing and i happened to come across this deck list from frank karsten who's a, a pro player and it was really cool so i decided to build this his deck works around it's got four burning prophets and four spell gorger weirds in it so this thing is all about scrying drawing cards and pumping well the burning prophet gets plus one plus zero till end of turn but the scry right but the spell gorger weird gets a plus one plus one counter for each non-creature you know for each spell you cast basically so this deck i had two fanatical firebrand four Gitsu lava runner four burning prophet two of the vaishino pyromancers and four of the spell gorger weirds and then it was just chock full of your standard red stuff four shock um four skewer the critics and then i put two tormenting voice and two honor of the god pharaohs in there for extra card draw and also honor the god pharaohs tormenting voice for one more uh colorless land but you also amass one so that kind of helped to throw an extra body on the ground and then i was running four jaya's greetings because that's another scry card and it deals three damage to a creature yeah Yeah. so it's really easy in pauper to get rid of a bunch of crap that people are are putting out there with that also ran four skewer the critics and then it runs four crash throughs and four warlords furies because each of those draw a card when you cast them oh well i should say if they resolve you draw a card but then the crash throughs give you trample and warlords furies give you first strike so as you're pumping up the spell gorger weirds and also the burning prophets if you can give your creatures first strike and trample 
with all these other red burn spells, you're in trouble. I, I had one where I, I drew three Spellgorger weirds in my I starting hand, <laughs> and I, I decided to, to, to keep it and ended up drawing into like two shocks and two skewer the critics right away. And so by turn five, when I had two Spellgorger weirds out, I didn't even play the third. I just buffed the two that I had with all direct damage to my opponent's face and then just ran through. And it was, <laughs> as he was blowing up and leaving, it was, yeah, I got the little nice. <laughs> so I was like, hey, all right. <laughs> Somebody appreciates I do my, like, my synergy. That's so. my one favorite interaction on Arena. When as somebody's dying, you just, nice. <laughs> yeah, I like to do that too. If somebody like has something I'm not expecting and they just blow me out of the water, I like to give them a, a you know, hey, that was nice. But <laughs> but yeah, so it was cool to really see a common like Spellgorger weird really just take over games. So that's that's what I've been up to. I, I went back and I've I've been playing some ranked. I built I've been playing my my version two of of um, mono blue aggro with uh, like vine mares and stuff in it. So it's always fun when you run into a green player who can't block your vine mares and then you pump them up and draw off of it. So yeah, that's. That's what I've been doing. Really looking forward to getting up into town this weekend, though, and uh, playing some Paper Magic with you guys. Should be fun. I'm yeah, excited. Definitely. So let's talk about let's talk about this book. So War of the Spark. The set's a ton of fun to play, but the book is really interesting too. How the entire thing tied into all of the thematic elements and things that are going on in the story played out through the cards. So I guess we can start first with uh, what are your overall impressions of the book? Uh, Tej, you started this one off, so Chanel, we'll start with you. What what what, do you, what are your overall impressions? Honestly, I didn't like. I, I've heard a lot of cri- criticism about the you know level of writing. I didn't care. I don't look at a book for something like this. I'm not looking for Shakespeare. I'm just looking for what's what's going on. Like I don't turn to magic for the quality story all the time. I just want to know what happened to the characters. And I liked this book. I thought it was cool. I liked the the chapters that were character perspectives and just jumping back and forth. I kind of liked that they set the tone early that Teo was, I feel, the main character of the book. I really like that, too. a brand new uh, Planeswalker. I loved Rat. I still hope that Rat is Massacre Girl in the cards because... She's not. I know she's not, she's but I mean... <laughs> but a guy can hope because I was yeah. thinking the same thing I as I was reading it. I'm like, guy, I hope, but it's not. <laughs> well, because it's like weird little, you know, character who you just met, you know, barely anything about. She's super outgoing. And then partway through, I'm like, oh, God, what's up with her and her dad? I hope we, I hope they like reconcile because he just completely cold shouldered her that was rude oh he can't see wait what the fuck is going on there's like two people in this whole fucking book who can see her yeah oh yeah nobody notices me what come again weird static ability (laughs) just a neat concept of an idea i'm not invisible i'm unnoticed right yeah that is super neat yeah it was a unique ability I I wish uh, like I liked seeing like guild politics from the ground level like this from not just hey you know I'm Ralz Eric and I'm in charge now and blah 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 and this is what you know go, is going on on the top it's uh, yeah I'm I'm guildless and mom's a Selesnian dad's a Rakdo or uh, gold <laughs> uh, gruel. gruel yeah yeah dad's a gruel and. It's like a weird, wacky sitcom going on <laughs> during an apocalyptic war. I, I did think that was really cool, the the whole concept of, of the gateless that were on Ravnica and how yeah. they really 
didn't have anywhere to turn to as far as like solidarity with their clan. So yeah, I thought mm-hmm. that part was really cool too. What about you, Teach? <coughs> what, what about you, Teach? What do you? What oh, did you think? Oh me. Um, you know how uh, your essay is due tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> you haven't started yet. That's 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 my first impression of the book. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start I'm gonna start by saying this. Are you criticizing content or quality? I'm gonna start by saying this. Okay. <laughs> I enjoyed reading the book. I enjoyed the story. There was a story there, and I liked the story. And I don't care what anyone says. I'm really glad that we have a magic book again. Yeah. And yes. there's going to be another book I saw coming out. November, right? I don't remember when I told you guys, but November sounds about right. November, October, I think Something is like that. what I saw on Amazon when I was um, pre-ordering. And and it's going to be, it's uh, apparently, uh, based on the little bit that I saw on Amazon, uh, another War of the Spark novel written by the same guy, which I know is going to turn some people <laughs> off. But we're getting magic books again, and we're getting stories written by Greg Weissman, who's written Warhammer stories, I think, before. That sounds uh, right. We're getting we're getting a short story by by Brandon Sanderson that we talked about before. We're getting notable authors who are writing stories for Magic the Gathering, and I think that's really cool. And any book they put out, I will buy and I will read. This book wasn't as bad as the Tezzeret book. That book is terrible. I have not <laughs> um, read that one. <laughs> It's really bad. The worst one I've still read so far is Planeswalker. I don't remember that. I, I have it. I don't remember. That's what the, I've heard the, from a lot of people, that <laughs> that book is just garbage. Planeswalker bounces back and forth over a three, like three or four three, thousand yes, year period. I do remember that. With two main characters who have no concept of time, and one of them is legitimately insane. <laughs> so there's no reference. It's just every chapter starts, and halfway through the chapter, you're like, what the fuck is going on? And then the chapter, like, by the end of the chapter, you're like, oh, okay, so this is happening in the past again. And then the next chapter starts, and you're like, okay, are we somewhere else? Or are we some <laughs> when else? And just, oh my god, the entire goddamn book. But yeah. anyway, sorry. No, it's fine. That's fine. Uh, like you, Chanel, I'm not expecting my Magic of the Gathering books to be Shakespeare. But at the same time, uh, there was a lot of stuff going on in this book that was distracting to me as someone who likes to read. Like, every Planeswalker they came across, uh, everyone knew everyone's name already. And it was almost like Greg Weissman uh, was getting an extra couple of dollars every time he referred to somebody by name. (laughs) There was a section in the book where he listed like 12 people, and it was Jace, and Gideon, and Chandra, and Nyssa, and (laughs) Teo. And right, and blah 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 for twelve people, uh, and that was annoying to read. I think uh, the book could have been done with a little more subtlety instead of referring to every single planeswalker by name. Depending on the point of view of the person you're looking for, describe what that person looks like, and then the reader can be like, "Oh, I know who that is. That's Samlet you're describing there." I did really enjoy Teo again being the main character. Uh, I liked the fact that he was a brand new planeswalker and his first uh walk was to ravnica and now he can't escape i didn't like the fact that not only was he a brand new planeswalker but he was also uh just a a shield mage padawan Um, (laughs) like literally padawan too with his art style (laughs) yeah uh and the entire story takes place across like 24 hours and in a span of 24 hours of constantly using his powers he starts to figure some things out and he he basically levels up as the day goes on and and by the end he's got a good grasp on his powers which 
I found kind of disappointing uh, because he's a he comes from a world where people are training. They they do this training for years and years and years, and the stuff he's been he was doing at the end of the day he probably shouldn't have been doing, even though he's been doing it for twenty four hours total. Uh, I think it would have been better if he was uh, uh, moderate to a professional shield mage, so he could so then then his only weakness is he he's a brand new planeswalker and all of that's new to him and everything is new to him, but he's in this war and he can actually do more like instead of and say i'm so weak i don't know if i'll be able to protect you if we can actually rely on him and trust him where all he's doing is defense and then he's and then he's observing that and we're learning about the characters through him i think that would have been just better if he were a little bit more skilled at the beginning of the story i did like rat a lot i liked dak faden a lot yeah he had a very good arc i think i i and i also like the 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 uh first person it wasn't first person uh but the character viewpoints for every chapter but i also think we didn't need as many viewpoints like if we narrowed it down the nickel bolas all caps chapter hated the <laughs> yeah, nickel bolas chapter you would hated I, them because <laughs> you'd think uh an elder dragon with that level of intelligence would be a little bit more eloquent and yes. literate. I am Nicol Bolas and I am the greatest thing ever. <laughs> no, we didn't need any Nicol Bolas point of view chapters. Agreed. Uh, uh, Liliana could have been our main antagonist, and that's fine. Yeah. Um, I liked Liliana for the most part. My biggest disappointment, I almost forgot about this, was what they did with Vraska. I was so upset by this. <laughs> hold on, um, hold on, don't get into that yet, because I have a question about that okay. later. Okay. Okay. Then she's a Medusa. <laughs> I'm sorry, a Gorgon. <laughs> a Gorgon. Her um, hair is snakes. Yes. <laughs> so I have more criticisms of the book than Schnell does, but overall, I'm very happy that we have this book and keep giving us more books, wizards. Uh, don't listen to the people who are hating on the book. See, that's why I don't want to join them. That's because why I want to promote more books. Exactly. No, exactly. Exactly. <coughs> um, but at the same time, I like to read. I like to read a lot. Uh, and and I'll say that this book, it's, a, it's an easy read. Uh, you're not going to get lost in the book. But from someone who likes to read, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Overall, it was good. Overall, I enjoyed it. I have <coughs> criticisms that I deem are fair. I think your point was it was still a good read despite, like, just because you read a lot, you would still promote this book. Definitely. Reading this book is better than not reading this book. Yeah. If you like magic you and you like the story, read the book. It's fine. Don't don't listen to the people who hate it and, and say it's garbage and don't read it. It's a waste of time. The Re- end. Reading is fun. Reading is fun. For more information... Talk to your local library. <laughs> yeah, I overall, I like the book, too. I'm glad, Teej, that you said Greg Weissman wrote it when you were talking, because I probably should have said that when I introduced the book and give the guy some credit. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of in, in the Teej camp where, as someone who likes to read, there were parts of it that kind of irritated me a little bit, I guess, from a storytelling perspective. And I, I guess some of it I kind of worked out you know talking to you guys about how you know sometimes when he was doing a voice of a certain character the writing style really drove me nuts but as you know teach especially you were saying you know chandra is that impulsive childlike 
you know kind of person so that writing is probably coming across more so because that's just how her character is right so i definitely got over that i I, i'm gonna kind of bleed into my next question here because i think we've all pretty much answered it almost uh uniformly so it seems like we're all pretty much in agreement that as far as favorite overall character we all really liked teo uh all caps nickel bolas right (laughs) the one of one of the things that i thought weissman did really well and i thought was just absolutely beautiful in in his his prose and his writing was when he talked about teo's magic his his abilities and what he could do he called it his geometry and i just thought that was like the coolest way he could have I just thought that was so I mean there's no other word coming to mind than beautiful or eloquent. It's just it's just really cool. I thought it was awesome. It it I'm a I'm very visual when I read. I'm, you know, picturing all these things in my head and it just created this beautiful picture of these shields and the description of the of the the geometry. I thought it was really cool, so I really really liked that part. I really liked Rat a lot. I loved the arc between Ral and Tomic. I thought that 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 whole love story arc yes, was really cool like and, and really well written and really well handled. You could really like feel Ral's panic at times, you know, and, and things like that and his emotions. So I thought I thought that was really good. But yeah, so I, I guess I'll, I'll jump over my favorite character question because we've all kind of covered that. But do you do you guys all have a... <laughs> <laughs> well, this might answer that question. Then my next oh, question okay. then too. Uh, do you have a least favorite character? <laughs> Uh, and I guess not just like chapter, but uh, character in the in the story, or someone who you felt maybe got more attention than they, than they deserved, or not enough attention. Um, I'm glad Domri got what he deserved God, immediately. Domri. Yes, that just was awesome. annoying character, and then <laughs> <See ya>. immediate. <laughs> hey, can I join your team? Immediate. And that death. was, and that you can't look at me and tell me that that. The writing of Domri Raid wasn't distracting to you and detracted from what you thought of the book. Domri Raid was terrible. To be fair, he reminded me of some of the kids that hang out at the store who love Domri's cards and think he's a cool character. So they, they he captured that like impulsive <laughs> that childlike essence. teenage just I like this, so it's the best now. Yes. Just, oh god damn it. Why do you have to yell everything? <laughs> all caps bolas. <laughs> no. I was I was also going to say all caps bolas. Um, I think if we just take the bolas chapters out of the book, then bolas as a character is fine. I agree uh, with that. Domri Raid, uh, I think it gets my vote for worst character ever. I did not like anything he was in at all. Tezzeret I thought could be a little bit better too, being the potential new, next new villain. Versus his whole just like, uh, I'm a door. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope thought you guys pretty... win because I got shit to do. See you I'm later. out of here. <laughs> that was <laughs> really underdeveloped. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to disagree with you slightly. Okay. Um, but that's because I read the Tesseract book. <laughs> <laughs> are we are we judging in the vacuum of this book or in the context of the story overall? Uh, vacuum of the book, <laughs> I guess. We'll go there. Okay. Um, it's hard. It's it's hard to judge in a vacuum when you've when you know a little bit more backstory. But um, make your point. But anyway. no, he was saying. Uh, I liked. I I, I enjoyed Tezzeret. Tezzeret, uh So so one of the one of the big criticisms of the book that I don't necessarily agree with, and Chanel, I know you don't either, because we talked about this. Is a lot of people are upset about the lack of background information on certain characters, uh, most notably Niv Mizzet. Mm-hmm. We go into the book and Niv Mizzet is dead and people are surprised and shocked and angry that we don't know what happened in Niv Mizzet when what happened to Niv Mizzet isn't actually relevant to the story. All you need to know is he's dead. 
He's how dead, can, and his plans are underway. Right. That's that. That's all the information you know. I, we're going to get the background of, of Niv-Mizzet later on. On the internet, check the check uh, the mothership or some other thing. I think they're doing. There's stories out there if you want to find what happened in visit. But th- how he died wasn't relevant to the story. All you needed to know was that he was dead. And in terms of Tezzeret, he didn't do much in the book. Uh, I totally agree with that. Um, that's because he's not featured in the set except that one promo guard. Um, <laughs> But the fact that... It would have been great if Tezzer just goes, buy a box of boosters, and then <laughs> plays walks away. See ya! <laughs> yes. But the fact that... Uh, the fact that uh, Nixilis and Dak and Samut and Sarkon all show up and surprise him and take him out by the, by the portal, and he says, good job, guys. You got me. I hope you win. I can't fight him, but I hope you guys take him out. And then he leaves... That should be enough information for the reader to say Tezzeret wasn't the threat in this, uh, and he hopes Nicol Bolas falls. There's obviously more to that story. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll find out more about that. It was supposed to be tantalizing, and I think they and I personally think they did a fine job of it. Yeah, I, I I agree with your point there, and I think it was you know he's the he's the master schemer. So it's like okay, well, what does he have up his sleeve? Because he couldn't you know he couldn't get out of there fast enough. He doesn't um, have you know, sleeves for multiple over his robot reasons, arm. So that's true. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, no, I, I, I would agree with that. I, I, I don't want to say least favorite character, but maybe one part, or as far as characters I wish, had a little bit more of the spotlight on them or a little bit more in the book. I would have to say Ugin. I did like his parts. I understand why he was more ancillary as far as the main part of the story and how he kind of bookended the novel. But I... I I love Ugin's character. That opening I just pissed me off. I'm more. sorry. I don't want you to cut you off. That opening where it's the spirit dragon said to the dragon spirit said to the dragon spirit spirit dragon. <laughs> yeah. I, I was going to start taking notes like in the first goddamn chapter. I'm like, if this is going to be how this book is. Well, I was like, uh, are, are they trying to be coy? Or, you know, like, I, yeah. I, I get that, you know, Niv is, Niv is dead and he's talking to his spirit. But Ugin's the spirit dragon. And I know that. But is it the spirit <laughs> See, dragon or that. the dragon spirit you know it was just it was interesting it was Um, it was was artsy it was it was greg weissman (laughs) trying to uh get us into the book by doing something artsy true and he wasted all of his artistic (laughs) in the first chapter in that one chapter he blew his artistic load in chapter one (laughs) jack johnson and john jackson are having a conversation (laughs) that's all you need to know on to the war of the spark (laughs) now to the good shit yeah uh, that's fair. all right that's fair. so um favorite part of the story do you guys have a part that really stuck out in your mind whether it's an actual like story beat or just some sort of some sort of the writing that you were like man this is this is really cool you know i i really like teo's geometry like i said before but i guess for me my one of my favorite parts of the story i thought was in in addition to what Tej said about how sarkon um and Samut and you know that that mini gang that went and, and defeated Tezzeret did that. I really liked how Samut was written. I loved that they went into detail about as she was killing Eternals <clears throat> that she was you know you can rest now uh, and she was naming everybody that she was killing as they yeah. were people from her plane. And I just thought that the whole Samut treatment in the story was she's probably my favorite you know secondary or maybe even tertiary character uh in the book and i just thought he did a really good job with her so samut's definitely one of the highlights of the story for me what about you guys do you got something i gotta think oh. on this a little bit um i liked dax's death 
Ooh, I yeah. thought that that was a really cool, like, in his head moment because it starts out with him, like, okay, I'm a thief and I have no money and I'm stuck in this world. I'm going to see what's going on and ends with him deciding, you know what? I'm not a thief anymore. I'm a fighter and I'm a hero and I'm also a Potts who's about to die. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was just his inner monologue and I love how they set it up where it's he's about to get grabbed by an Eternal. And Karn pulls him back, and he's kind of like, hey, thanks, buddy. And Karn's like, get your shit together. Yeah. And then he's like, yeah, man, he's right. I should get my shit together. And he's in his own head again. And then he gets killed as he decides <laughs> that he is going to be a hero. He's not going to hide in the shadows. He's not going to be a thief. He's going to be a fighter and a noble corpse on the ground. God damn it. He's gone now. I love the Han Solo-esque-ness <laughs> of, of Dak in that book. You know, he was yeah. like the, the rogue smuggler, you know, thief whatever and uh, i i really like his arc too i thought that was good and and you're right his his death was a was even though you know we're talking about someone dying here it was a it was a cool part of the book i really like <laughs> no, i like cool the, the i like the treatment that that uh weissman gave gave dax death yeah and that was that was i was really leaning into that too but i was trying to remember all the other things from the book I like the the few interactions we got between Chandra and uh, and Jaya. They had the there was there was a passage in there about how someone was observing Chandra and her big explosive. Uh, I lost the word. Big explosive fire magics, and they were doing a lot of damage. And then you go over to 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 Jaya, and she oh got her pinpoint super accuracy, small yeah, the, preci- pinpoint. the precision, yeah. yeah. But still just as destructive. Her laser welds versus Chandra just burn it all. Yeah, I really liked that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there were some interactions where Chandra's ready to go off the handle and and Jai like, calm down, bitch. You'll be fine. <laughs> Remember what we talked about. And then she calms cool. down a little bit. Tell that bitch we cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I was really happy. Uh, I guess I'm going to talk about Chandra. I was happy when Nissa showed up. Because Chandra was happy when Nissa showed up. Yeah, I like that. I too. thought that was nice. Um, and then at the and then at the very end, at the very end, when uh, after uh, Gideon died, uh, and Chandra was talking to Nissa, and Chandra was like, uh, "I used to, I loved him at one point, you know." And Nissa was like, "Yeah, I know." But then Chandra was like, "But I love you too." And Nissa was like, "I love you too." That was nice. I enjoyed that. That was nice. Um, See, I, 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 I interpreted that as, like, sisterly, like, you're my family and I love you. And then the internet's like, lesbians! No, I, 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 no. I, think, I think lesbians. I, I think, think lesbians. I think especially from Chandra's side, it was more of a, a romantic <laughs> love like that. <clears throat> and maybe maybe from Nyssa, it was more of a platonic. Uh, but I don't, you know, I don't know. That, that was just my kind of take on it. <gasps> Jesus. Hello. Um, time, time, time out for one second. I'm going to yell at kids. You okay. said you were going to yell. <laughs> well, he came back. I didn't have to yell. No, I, there's there's definitely a uh, a I I think there's definitely a romantic vibe there, and I think I think Nissa's a little timid about it because Nissa's gone through some shit too. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. But she's she's gone through shit that's going all the way back from Innistrad. That's very um, true. So uh, there's there's definitely something there. And then Gideon, I remember reading through. We talked about this when we were talking about uh, uh, War of the Spark cards. I remember reading through these and getting to the point. Heartwarming reunion is that what it's called? Yes. Uh, yes. 
and that and that and that card made me smile and it almost made me tear up it was it was just the 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 gideon lived a shit life feeling guilty every <laughs> single day for getting his all of his friends killed and then he dies and he goes to theros heaven and they're still waiting there for him with open arms and they're not pissed about him getting them killed nope uh, and when we got to that chapter in the book, that was a that was a nice chapter. And it's weird. It's weird to get to have more emotions about the card than a chapter in a book. But I think the artwork and the and, and the way that Wizards presented the story to us was really touching. That put together with that uh, fantastic trailer they did for the for the set. Yeah, um, that added a lot to it. So when we got to that chapter. Uh, I had already felt all of those things, but it was nice just reading it. Uh, I don't think any of his friends said anything. I think they just, just walked in and they <laughs> they clapped him on the shoulder, and then he went off into Theros heaven. Yeah, um, I liked I liked that too. I liked all of that. Cool. Well, we're running up on 45 minutes here so far, and we want to get some Modern Horizon stuff in, so I'm going to leave out a couple of my questions, and I'm just going to go straight to the end. Uh, would you guys recommend the book? I think we kind of covered it in the initial yeah. read, impressions. Read books. But. Read books in general. Form your own opinions, but be be knowledgeable if you're interested in the story of the game. Yeah, I, I agree. And if uh, you want to know more, it. read the book. Don't look at the Wikipedia. They leave so much out. Right, it's Wikipedia. Because it's Wikipedia. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely read the book. I think it's, I think it's worth the read. It's not, you know, the best story ever written, but it's, it's good. It's fun. I finished it in two days. You know, uh, it's a real, like Teach said, it's a really easy read. It's not going to confuse you. You're not going to stumble over anything. It moves quickly, and it's, it's good. You should definitely, you should definitely read it. So yeah, Modern Horizons comes out pre-releases this weekend. Uh, let's talk about some of the stuff that we're most excited for. Maybe we'll get a, a few cards each uh, in here before we wrap it up. But <coughs> let's start with uh, like what what out of the set, what card are you most excited uh, for? Whether it's to play in Modern or you know Commander or just to have for you know kitchen table magic, whatever. What are, what are you most excited to actually get to play? <clears throat> I'll go first. I'm going through the rares and mythics of the set because I usually uh, like to focus on commons and uncommons because that's usually where the more fun stuff for me pops up. Uh, But Force of Virtue. I want to rebuild black-white tokens or even white with a little bit of black splash tokens in modern because it's a deck type that i've never gotten to work successfully i've seen others run it well i've just never gotten any of my builds to to go off and i like that this uh, this force is a permanent with uh for those that don't know it is two and two white so cmc four enchantment uh if it's not your turn you may exile a white card from your hand rather than pay this spell's mana cost it has flash and creatures you control have plus one, plus one. So, really, really good mono white weenie, token weenie support. And I hope that it's enough with the speed of it. It's basically re- like replacing or supplementing the, uh, the white ley line that currently helps out tokens. But maybe that's what tokens need is just a little bit more static effects like that. So I really hope Force of Virtue will help my uh white weenie token deck when i get that rebuilt and i get a place of the forces of virtue force of Vir- force of virtues yeah force uh, of virtues okay yeah <laughs> but forces of virtue <laughs> anyway play set of this card yeah what about you teach okay um <laughs> here we go this 
Strap in, hive mind. This is not a set for teach. <laughs> so I don't, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to sit here and poo poo on the set. I'll, I'll say this set isn't for me. There's not a whole lot in this set that gets me excited. But I did, I did pull up some cards that I do actually like. So the first one that I will bring up is uh, go internet. God damn, Echo of Eons. Oh yes, Echo yeah. of Eons is is when I. This was the one that I got, I think, the most excited about when I saw it. Uh, it's a sorcery for four and two blue. Each player shuffles their hand and graveyard into their library and then draws seven cards. Then it has a flashback for two and a blue. Uh, so I can cast it from my graveyard again, uh, and then I exile it. So I saw that card, and I immediately thought of my Niv-Mizzet the Firemind EDH deck. Uh, and I thought of that because it was one of the most recent decks that I finished and the entire theme of the deck is is uh, uh, drawing cards and killing people by making myself draw cards or by making everyone else draw cards and I have something like Consecrated Sphinx out. So if they're drawing seven cards each, I'm drawing 14 cards in addition to the seven cards. Uh, and shuffling everything back into my library is just going to allow me to draw more and more cards without decking myself. So as soon as I saw that card, I got excited because I think it's what, Time Twister? Is that what, the, is that what that's based on? Yeah. Uh, that's a card I'm never going to own because <laughs> it's on a reserved list and it's hundreds of dollars. So Same here. this is this is the next best thing. Uh, so I saw that and I immediately thought of Niv Mizzet. So I'm really hoping to get my hands on one of those cards. Uh, for me, the first card that when when I actually saw it was being printed and I was like, oh my god, I've been waiting for this forever just because I wasn't sure he was ever going to get a card. And a lot of people are probably thinking, oh, he's going to talk about Urza, but I'm not. I'm talking about Yogmith because I just love his character because he is like <laughs> the, you know, I mean, Nicol Bolas is, is, you know, the prime evil, but Yogmith is like this, I don't know, prime evil B. <laughs> uh, I love his character throughout the history of, of Magic's lore. And I love the fact that they brought him in as, as a, it's the human Yogmith, right? It's before he becomes this all powerful yep. demon it's ruler of Phyrexia. It's complete god of Phyrexia. Exactly. Yeah. And so, so he's a, a, a two, four, cleric for two generic and two black he has protection from humans so you can see already what modern um you know kind of um subset they're going for here pay one life sacrifice another creature and put a minus one minus one counter on up to one target creature and draw a card and then for two black mana you can discard a card and proliferate so i just the card i think is going to be really useful uh in in multiple formats i think it'll be useful for people in modern and i think it'll also be uh played in edh as well but i'm i'm just really excited because yogmith is one of my favorite characters and to actually see him finally get a card is just really cool because i kind of thought that like urza it would be you know maybe in like an unset or something where they would make yeah. almost make a joke out of him because he's just too powerful so i think they settled on a good period in his life if you will and uh, i like the card for what it is and for what it does and i just love seeing yogmith so yeah that's that's like the first card that really caught my mind or that i'm i'm really excited for chanel what else are you excited for uh, being healthy one day <laughs> <laughs> good luck <clears throat> damn it has has been slowly poisoning me over weeks and weeks um anyway and uh, weeks <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the next one that really caught my eye, Unsettled Mariner. 
The 2-2 Shapeshifter for a white and a blue. He has Changeling, so he's every creature type. Whenever you or a permanent you control becomes a target of a spell or ability an opponent controls, counter that spell or ability unless the controller pays one. I like this guy as just a neat little hate bear to go in any blue or white creature themed because he doesn't really seem to take place in a control deck because changeling means you want to go tribal with him so he can benefit off of the, all the fun tribal stuff and blue and white don't really need a lot of you know creature support because they usually just control the board anyway so i like that they're trying to build more creature base into the controly colors uh, being more of a tribal player, usually in EDH, I like when they give cheap little guys that will help the entire squad. And forcing somebody to pay one extra every time they want to bolt me, or paying two mana so they have to bolt this guy before they can start taking out the rest of my guys, I think that will help deal with some of the downfalls of creature or small creature bases in modern. Agreed. Good. Good. Uh, the next one I'm going to talk about uh, is the Talisman Cycle. I called this Ooh, yeah. when we were uh, very first discussing the set, and we were talking about when we knew that the set was going to include new cards, uh, as well as reprints of things that aren't currently in modern. And when we were talking about what new cards we think they might reprint, I was saying they might complete cycles of things that are quote-unquote incomplete so far. For example, the Talisman cycle. So the one I have pulled up is Talisman of Creativity, uh, which is a two-mana artifact. You can tap it for one colorless, or you can tap it, uh, this one in particular, for a red or a blue, uh, and then it deals one damage to you. They have five of these in Modern Horizons, one for each enemy color pair. These were first printed in uh, the Mirrodin block, and they were the ally-colored pairs. And people, this is one of those sets where, uh, why does ally color get it and the enemy colors never get it? And they decided to throw us the enemy color ones. I like it because I'm a big fan of cheap mana rocks that don't enter the battlefield tapped. I love two mana mana rocks. I live uh, the dream every time I sit down and play a game of EDH of turn one soul ring into a signet or turn one soul ring into a talisman. And now with a complete cycle of these, uh, we're going to see a lot of decks that run both signets and talismans and soul rings and all that stuff. The problem that I kind of have with this though, I mean, it's a double-edged sword. I run a star compass in my Niv-Mizzet deck right now, which I'm going to pull out immediately and throw in this talisman <laughs> in because this is uh, star compass is garbage compared to talisman of creativity. Uh, the problem with this, though, is every time they take a cycle that people say in, is incomplete, like we had a allied, the talismans were an allied colored cycle. They don't necessarily have to do the enemy colors. It can just be an allied colored thing, uh, which is a double-edged sword because ally color gets all the love and enemy color doesn't get nearly as much love. So it would be cool to see... Uh, cycle that is just of enemy colors and and that way if you're limiting yourself to playing just an enemy color deck uh, you get access to tools that ally colors don't as opposed to every single deck getting all the tools that every deck needs so like i said it's a good card i'm going to play it but it also uh, just kind of rubs me a little bit the wrong way because it's a cycle that 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 makes certain color pairings feel less special now that everything gets it. All right. 
the next card I have on my list is Cordial Vampire. And this is because I love to play black, like everybody who listens to the show knows. And I love vampires. <laughs> so, hey, look at that. Plus, this is going to go really well in my Edgar Markov uh, EDH deck. And there's a lot of reasons I like this. I like the the name of it and how well it ties into the art. Because the art for this card is fantastic. It's a vampire like opening his front doors to his house. Like... His hands back in the air. He's got a huge grin on his face as blood is running from his mouth down his chest. His jacket's open. He's not wearing a shirt, but he does have his ascot on because he's classy. And there's just a dead guy hunched over the table in a pool of his own blood in the background. So I absolutely love the art for this card. It's a 1-1 vampire for two black mana. And whenever a cordial vampire or another creature dies, put a plus one, plus one counter on each vampire you control. So whether it's your creatures, your opponent's creatures... Anytime a creature dies, all of your vampires, including Cordial Vampire, get a plus one, plus one uh, counter on them. So I just think that that's awesome synergy for my vampire deck and what it's trying to do. So I can't wait to get one of those and immediately slot it into into that EDH deck. This card is garbage. Nope. The flavor text does a lie. What's the flavor text? It says, please come in or d'oeuvres are on the table. And that's a fucking lie because there's only one person laying on that table. That's not hors d'oeuvres are. <laughs> there is an hors d'oeuvre on the table. And he's already bleeding out, so really how good is he? But the blood is, and it's it's not one single unit of blood. I guess you could look it up off the table. That's Even true. in medical terms, that's not one unit of blood. Uh, let's murder someone and drape them over the table, and then I want you to bring me two bloods, please. <laughs> two units of blood? Nope, two bloods. Two bloods. <laughs> how about one crip? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> two bloods equal one crip. It's gang math. Um, this card's neat. I think it's cool. I think it'll be fun to play with. Let's see. We're running up on time here, so let's uh, let's each pick one more card, and we'll talk about that, and then we'll kind of get more into uh, we'll get into more Modern Horizons kind of stuff and reaction to the set overall once we've kind of had a chance to play with it after pre-release weekend. So one more each. <coughs> Chanel, what do you got? Um, we are going to go with Unbound Flourishing for two and a green enchantment. Whenever you cast a permanent spell with a mana cost that contains X, double the value of X. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell of an, or activate an ability, if that spell's mana cost or activated abilities act, or act, uh, or that ability's activation cost contains X, copy the spell or ability. You may choose new targets for the copy. Uh, this is just a fantastic Hydra card. <laughs> because it doubles your X values for all your X spell Hydras. It gets permanence only uh, for doubling X, or it just gives you an extra target, or you know doubles your abilities for the X activations. But as somebody who has scratched and fought to collect Hydra stuff over the years and get doubling seasons when they go to a billion pro- or a billion dollars a piece, <laughs> um, I'm glad to be able to grab one of these new Hydra cards right off the bat. Yeah. And I think this card will find a home in a lot of EDH decks that run green. So I try <coughs> I try to look at this set from a modern standpoint because it's modern horizons, but a lot of the stuff is good EDH fodder and this one is no exception. So, Unbound Flourishing coming to a Hydra deck near you. <laughs> yes. Um, I will end our discussion on a card that I like. Um, hmm? Yeah, well, again, this this set is, 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 is 
I have mixed feelings about this set. It doesn't give you wowzers and the um, trousers. <laughs> but this card, this card uh, is a card that every single Magic player in the world has thought of in their head, uh, and then suddenly out of nowhere it saw print and everyone's <laughs> excited about it. It's Prismatic Vista. Uh, this completes a cycle of cards that we didn't even know was incomplete. <laughs> uh, it's a land, tap, pay one life, sacrifice it, search your library for a basic land card and put it on the battlefield, then shuffle your library. It's simple, it's clean, it fits in with the other fetch lands. You can get any basic land, and the basic land comes into play untapped. That's just really good design. Again, like fetch, the fetches are all really, really good, because they can help you find your shocks, or your duels, or your cheaper duels that have the, the basic land types on them, which is why these shocks are really expensive. Prismatic Vista, uh, right now, is probably about 20 bucks, but that's going to, uh, and it's probably going to stay right around there, $10, $15 would be my guess is where you can pick these up. Uh, but these cards are for modern players who look at their modern decks, and every single modern deck has has four fetch lands in them. But the but you 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 kids can't always afford your four fetch lands. <laughs> Prismatic Vista is a good way to to make it so you can use your basic lands and not necessarily be uh, embarrassed to do so when other people are slapping down their shock lands. Prismatic Vista is also uh, again going to be really good in EDH for the people who like to run fetch lands in their EDH decks. My Karn deck can now search out my wastes. Right? True. <laughs> um, there's a lot of really good land strategies out there. Gitrog Monster, Lord Windgrace, uh, all those things always like lands that go into the graveyard. This this card's going to see a lot of play. And I do like the design on that one. Uh, it's simple and it's clean. And I'm also a big fan of land cards in general. Nice. I, I like that. Uh, the last one uh, that I'll talk about tonight is one that nobody, again, nobody really saw coming. Uh, it's very interesting in concept. It's been done in similar ways before, I suppose, but it's it's one that I saw, and now we've made jokes in our, our little chat that we have about all the different ways this could be done in the future and from other sets, but I really like Mirrodin Besieged. This is a, an oh, enchantment yes. for two generic and one blue land, and as Mirrodin Besiege enters the battlefield, choose Mirin or Phyrexian. If you choose Mirin, whenever you cast an artifact spell, create a 1-1 colorless mirror artifact creature token. If you choose Phyrexian, at the beginning of your end step, draw a card, then discard a card. Then if there are 15 or more artifact cards in your graveyard, target opponent loses the game. So... It's a very interesting card. I can't wait to see the different strategies people come up with to use it. But A, I hope it's a precursor into, you know, we've mentioned on on this show and amongst each other before that, uh, you know, Karn's storyline has to get finished up. And hopefully we are going to, you know, New Phyrexia, Mirrodin, somewhere like that. Uh, maybe not in the next set, but sometime in the, in the relatively near future because... That play, those planes are awesome. Those sets were awesome, and I really hope that this is a little bit of foreshadowing for that. But I also hope that it's something that they do more of in the future, as far as you know, um, two different. I don't know if you want to say clans or groups or races against each other uh, on a card. I think it's I think it's a really cool idea. I think it's cool card design. I really hope to God it's foreshadowing, and um, <laughs> I'm really interested to see what people do actually with this card. Yeah, I forgot about that card, um, <coughs> and I really liked that card when I first saw it too. Mm -hmm. uh, we we talked about it a little bit amongst us uh, as well, but uh, this is a play on the siege cycle from from the cons block. Yep, uh, and it's neat because it 
it's it's Mirrodin besieged instead of like outpost siege. So it's got the word siege in there, yeah. which plays homage to that original cycle. But it also opens up the possibility of uh, uh, this could be a its own cycle of cards, but instead of siege cards, they're besieged cards, and we get a view into other planes. I think some of the uh, not jokey ones we came up with <laughs> uh, were like Zendikar besieged, and you choose allies or Eldrazi or Innistrad besieged, and you choose like humans or monsters or things along those lines uh that would be a neat thing to see i'm glad they waited until after ravnica though because ravnica besiege choose and then they just list the 10 guilds (laughs) hang on continued on card four i like uh i like schnell's idea though of fallen empires besieged where you've got uh thralls and (laughs) thalads choose thalads or thralls Whichever one you choose, just quit the game. <laughs> Why are you playing Fallen Empires anyway? <laughs> because when I started Magic, they were like buck fifty a pack, and I'm like, this is awesome. I can get cheaper packs being a little kid. Right, exactly. And, and not knowing there's the, a reason. And right. the dude at Manitowoc Card and Coin was more than happy to take my money. Manitowoc Card and Coin. R.I.P. <laughs> nope, still open. It is? I think it's a vape shop, but it's still <laughs> the building is still unlocked. <laughs> yes. There is someone tending some store in that building. It may or may not be vape. <laughs> oh man! All right, cool. Well, that's our show for this week. Thank you for listening, everyone. Uh, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Don't forget to tell a friend. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeartRadio, anywhere you consume podcasts. Don't forget to check out our social channels at Homebrew Magic on Instagram and Facebook. And please remember, don't drink and scry. Wait, hold on a second. Yeah. Schnell has infect. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he does. Also, I was going to say, what up, hive mind? Oh, there it is. We'll end on that. (laughs) I didn't didn't get a chance to throw it in at the beginning. That's fair. I like it. All right, now we're done for real. Thank you guys for listening.